Let us pray. Gracious God, we have come at your own invitation to hear your word. Remove us from all distractions so that we would hear your voice clearly. Open our ears and our hearts this day. Amen. Our first lesson this morning is from Genesis chapter 26, 29, excuse me, verses 31 and 32. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah conceived and bore a son, and she named him Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has looked on my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. Our second lesson is from the 103rd Psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made his known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, or nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As the Father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we were made. He remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, obedient to his spoken word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Reverend McDevitt has been going through a series from Genesis. Creation, Cain, Sarah, Hagar, Isaac, Jacob, Esau, and Joseph. Well, I'm staying in Genesis, but I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Last week she talked about Hagar, next week she's going to talk about Abraham and Isaac, and today I'm going to talk about Reuben. Reuben is Isaac's grandson, Jacob, excuse me, Abraham's uh, great-grandson, 
And if you are not familiar with this family, I invite you to read the second half of Genesis within the next couple of weeks because things can get a little confusing when you're talking about Abraham and his family. I have enjoyed spending time with Reuben for the last couple of weeks because he is often overlooked. He's not one of these big stars of the Bible. And because he has some realistic problems that many of us can relate to, or we know someone who can relate to Reuben. Reuben's main challenge is that he struggles for approval and love that he believes that he is not getting. And we know people who struggle to get approval from others. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's our boss, maybe it's that really interesting person we sit next to in class. But Reuben's whole life is lived in the shadow of lovelessness and disapproval that begins before he is even born. And he has a hard time seeing anything else. First of all, there is his mother Leah. When when Reuben's father Jacob was a young man, he went to service for a man named Laban, fell in love with Laban's daughter Rachel, tried to marry Rachel, was tricked by Laban into marrying Leah instead, and had to work extra hard to marry the woman that he wanted. So Leah, the older daughter, the older sister, the first wife, struggles to feel loved. And so when Reuben is finally born, Jacob's first child... Leah names him Reuben, which means, behold, a son. Look, a boy. Look, right there. Jacob, look, 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 look. I gave you a son. Now you will love me. And Jacob does not appear to respond. So even from the point of Reuben's birth, he knows that it is his job to get his father's love for his mother and for himself. That's a little bit too much to put on a little kid. Later in chapter 30, we see Reuben caught in a bit of tug of war between Leah and Rachel. Reuben is out in the fields being a responsible son and he finds some mandrakes. Now any Harry Potter fan knows what a mandrake is. But this is not the same thing. We're not pulling them. No, it's a different thing. But these these things that he finds and brings to his mother Leah, these mandrakes... In this context, they're to be used as a fertility treatment. So he has them, and his mother, his, his mother Leah, gives them to 
Jacob's other wife, Rachel, so that Leah can have another night with Jacob and Rachel can have the fertility treatments. It's just kind of a weird situation. Poor, poor Reuben. Poor Reuben. And so he's caught again in this feud between these two women on how they will make Jacob look at them. And then there is the situation with Billa. We don't talk about Billa. Okay, we don't talk about Bruto, we don't talk about Billa. It's very difficult, just so you know, this is, this is kind of a stressful situation for me because it is very difficult to write a G-rated sermon on an R-rated book. Okay. Billa, and I can't, tell, I can't talk about it, but she's good for a sermon. If you want to read about her, she's good for a sermon about women's autonomy, women's rights, and so on. That's B-I-L-H-A-H, Billa. Please read it because I can't, okay? But that's okay. The book of Genesis doesn't want to talk about her either because there's a little gap there in this little business with, with Billa. When it tells us about her, there's a gap and a pause to say we don't want to talk about Reuben's problem and his relationship with Billa. That's Rachel's handmade so let us just say that the story of Billa includes the reason why Reuben loses his birthright as the firstborn son he was supposed to get a double portion of his of the inheritance from Jacob but because of this situation with Billa he does not Reuben at this point does the unthinkable he disappoints his father. And then later, as a young man, he's out with his brothers. He's the oldest. He's supposed to be in charge. He's supposed to be able to control all of these people, but he can't. He's held responsible for his younger siblings, but they do not do what he tells them to do. And older siblings, do y'all ever have problems with your younger siblings not doing what you tell them to do? I don't know anybody who has trouble with their younger sibling, but that's just me. But at one point, Jacob sends Joseph to tell something to his brothers out in the wilderness when they're with their sheep and so on. And, and the rest of the brothers want to kill Joseph because he's, he's just a pain. And so they, they want to kill him. And Reuben says, no, don't kill him. Put him in this dry well. He tries to save his father's favorite son, Joseph. And then while he's away, his brothers sell his brother into slavery. So, so much for protecting Joseph. But he tries. He's constantly trying. He wants to save Joseph, not because he likes Joseph, but because Joseph is his father's favorite son. So when Joseph does not come back and he's sold into slavery, Reuben 
puts blood on Joseph's clothes and gives the bloody clothes to his father because he would rather lie to his father than face the consequences of the truth that once again he has disappointed his father. And finally, when the 12 sons of Jacob have gone to Egypt, when Simeon has been kept in Egypt, when Reuben offers to go to Egypt to escort Rachel's son Benjamin to make sure that he comes home, Rachel's second son, the second favorite son Benjamin, when Reuben says to Jacob, you may kill my two sons if I don't bring Benjamin back to you, Jacob's only thought is for the life of Benjamin, Rachel's second son. Jacob is behaving as if he only has two sons, not twelve. And Reuben is there offering his life and the lives of his two children for the sake of his youngest brother, and all Jacob can talk about is how sad he will be if Rachel's youngest doesn't come home. And Reuben is standing there beating his head against a tent pole. He has done all he knows to do to earn the love of his father not only from, for his sake, but for the sake of his mother, Leah. And with the exception of that indiscretion that we don't talk about, he has spent his entire life trying and struggling and fighting to earn love from Jacob that will not come. So many of us work ourselves to pieces to earn the love of someone else. Now, as for myself, I have never, ever doubted the love of my parents for me. That has never been a question. But there are some who have never known their family's love. They ask themselves, if I do this, if I do that, maybe my father will love me. And such, so it is, they build this kind of transactional love with their family. If I do this, then I will get the love in return. Well, Jacob has problems. And if you want to see a messed up family, read the story of Abraham and his children. But... That is how we, we could look through and see how people sometimes behave and say, oh, I like this, I, do, I don't like that, I'm not going to be that way with my family, and so on. But Jacob's love is not God's love. God's love is very different. It is not transactional. Like I say, my relationship with my employer is transactional. I show up, I do my job, my boss pays me. It's a nice relationship. But my relationship with God 
is not that way. God loves us freely. God frees us, God loves us for the simple joy of it. And as a result, we are free to love God freely. We can love each other freely and openly and not have to worry about earning God's love at all. God's love is not transactional, it is reactive. When we know that we are loved by God, then we are open to do those loving things that bring us joy and bring joy to God. We love because God first loves us. We do what we do, we show compassion for our neighbor, we show compassion for those we do not know, not because we are trying to earn anything, but because we want to. And Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly, not restrained by trying to earn God's love, but because we get to be giddy about already having the assurance of it. God gave love first. God gave Jesus to us first. And we can act on it and we can bask in it. Reuben can struggle, Reuben can try. But thanks be to God, we can just have fun with the love of God. Amen.